Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by NFL Draft Analyst Ryan Roberts of Rise and Draft Scouting uh, and RiseandDraft.com if you want to go check that out. So we're continuing on today with our positional rankings. And today's episode is probably going to be uh, one of the more bleak episodes and maybe one of the more controversial episodes for reasons that folks you might be able to expect this quarterback class is not that great there is a lot of contention over how this class lines up and ryan is about to i think blow up the consensus on what a lot of people think i don't know ryan i know you're shaking your head because you know you're you don't think it's it's that as big of a deal but i think that it's it's very it means a lot i think to to be against what everyone else is the regurgitating yeah, well, I think it's going to be amplified a little bit uh, just because it's uh, it's not a great class, man. So there's going to be some controversial takes, but I'm not trying to be controversial at all. It just kind of is what it is. It is a great day, though, Joe. It's a great day. You know why? Why? You know what? Because after today, I don't have to talk about quarterbacks in 2022. Oh, man. God, I knew that can't was wait. coming. I can't wait, man. I can't wait. <sighs> and that's that's honestly... That sets the tone for today's show because sure does. It's gonna be it's <laughs> it's gonna be a pretty negative conversation uh, overall. But Ryan, before we get to the ads, I, I want to get your thoughts on. Uh, I already know the answer to this, and you folks could probably guess the answer to this. If you had to give an overview of the class, we know that it is underwhelming compared to past quarterback classes, and there's really not one guy in this group. Mm-hmm. How would you describe this this quarterback class as a whole? I mean, the word that comes to mind is unfortunate with this class, to be honest with you. Because I mean, Joe, I really do think that there is a good amount of depth in this class. Like, I think there's a lot of developmental players where I would be excited to get on day two, maybe even late first round, and you would kind of have the future a little more of the on the forefront than the immediate return, which I mean is the case for most quarterbacks anyway, generally. So mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of depth to this class in that second, third round into day three type of conversation. The issue is that usually there is one to two guys that you're going to be comfortable drafting early on in the top 10 picks and that this class just doesn't have that. So what happens is all the guys that are supposed to be the depth pieces get pushed up the board. So then that makes it look like it's a worse class than it actually is because then you thin out the depth a little bit because we're going to have a couple guys that are going to be drafted a lot earlier than they should be. So I think it's an unfortunate class because I do think there's a lot of depth and there's some talent from a developmental perspective, but those guys are going to be being forced into being guys that are going to be labeled franchise quarterbacks, saviors, and I just think that this class lacks that. There's no blue chip first true first round top 10 type of caliber quarterback. This is just a developmental class and there's nothing to kind of put those guys into the range that they would normally be accustomed to. They've been forced into inopportune situations. In my opinion, I will say this year is probably the year to have a really crappy quarterback class, because if you look across the league, there are not a lot of teams that have unsettled quarterback 
situations like there are a few and there are some that have like a veteran guy and they probably might draft somebody to to have a young developmental player but it's way less than it typically is and we're at a point where guys like baker mayfield and jimmy garoppolo who i think in any other quarterback market might be highly sought after and might Mm -hmm. have some trade value for are struggling to be moved yeah, and I think that you even saw like the Washington Commanders have kind of been a team that's been linked to a quarterback at pick 11. Instead of doing that, they were like, now nah, we'll take a gamble on Carson Wentz, even though Carson Wentz has had more than his fair share of struggles over the last few years, and they gave up decent draft capital for him. So I think that's a big indicator that teams are more willing to get a proven commodity this year than taking a first-round quarterback. Like I really do think that that is the conversation. And like you said, there's – the market definitely has dried up a little bit because we have seen kind of a stall of where guys are going to end up. I think those guys specifically just talked about in the Garoppolo vein, they're probably going to be in a situation where let's wait it out a little bit and hopefully get traded to a team that maybe a quarterback gets injured or is underwhelming in preseason, like all that type of stuff, a little more of an opportune situation. But I agree. I don't think that there's a ton of quarterback needed teams. I mean, like you're talking about like Carolina Panthers make a sense at pick mm-hmm. six, right? Atlanta, Seattle Seahawks. What are they going to do at nine? Atlanta at eights potentially, even though they, they got Marcus Mariota as their bridge. So there's definitely still some teams, but I, it's going to be an interesting quarterback landscape to try to figure out this offseason. season. So we're going to unpack the landscape and how these young guys are going to factor into the equation. But before we do though, folks, I do want to tell you about today's sponsors, First being bet online. We're finally here. The top teams in college basketball have been determined and the final four is set. If you're looking to wager on these games or the national championship, head on over to betonline.ag on your desktop or your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code believe to get started. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all of your updated odds and info, along with player props and new contests throughout the year. It's the best source for all of your sports sporting wagering needs, including live betting in everyone's favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so join today. Learn why everyone is saying BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Also, folks, you should know about Athletic Greens. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets, There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens take ownership of your health. All right, Ryan, let's take ownership of this quarterback class. Biggest sleeper. What a segue, dude. What a, I know, what a it's terrible. There. I am the worst uh, segue man in, in, in sports podcasting. 
Ryan, the biggest sleeper, we've started off all these shows with a guy that is under the radar, and I, I love the kid that you picked because I didn't even know if he was really going to come out, but when mm-hmm. you watch the tape, you certainly see the traits. He's coming from a small school. I'm always rooting for these small school guys. You picked Caleb Ellaby from Western Michigan. What was your motivation to pick him? Good friend of the show, Caleb Ellaby. Yes. Um, it was on, was on the podcast at one point, I think, during the summer. Wait a minute. Do we have a, 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 a – I feel like every sleeper we've picked has – I, I want to go back and check. Not on purpose. Bit. That's not on purpose. <laughs> I promise. It's not on purpose. Uh, the interior I'm not, I'm not. offensive line guy was not. It was not a guest on the show, but he might yes. be. <laughs> yes. Oh, he might be. True. That's a good point. Um, it, it's. I, I promise out there, if you're listening for the first time, I'm not just trying to pump up our uh, – interview segments i promise that i just really do like caleb elby as a mid-round late round type of sleeper like i i really do because like joe said it was kind of in between whether caleb was going to declare as a redshirt junior and i actually know that there were a couple scouts that when it happened was kind of like wait really why why is he doing that so it wasn't i think perceived as well as maybe some people think but he ended up getting his combine invite caleb is an interesting player because there is a lot of natural arm talent here, right? Throwing from different platforms, layering the football to different levels of the field, throwing with touch, a lot of nice things to work with. And he's one of the better RPO passes in this, in this class. He has a really quick snap release, understands how to read leverage. Like he does some really good things. Now the issue though, with that is that he's a smaller quarterback who's not, you know, physically imposing in any way. And he did run RPO a ton in college. So, like, there wasn't a huge instance of him working one, two, three progressions in an offensive system. So this guy is a developmental player. He's not going to be a player that's going to be drafted early. He's going to have to sit behind a starter. Maybe he gets drafted by Atlanta somewhere in the mid-rounds, and he's kind of the – I don't want to call him an heir apparent to Marcus Mariotti, but he's a guy that can be taken along slowly and see if he can develop into that guy. But I do think that he is that guy that I would bet on being that mid to late round sleeper that maybe could develop, maybe not quite a starting level caliber quarterback, but long-term backup, maybe bridge starter. Like I, I, There's a lot of things to like about Caleb Ellaby in this class, and I, I think that he's being undervalued a little bit because I feel like most guys are getting pushed up a little bit, but Caleb I think is still in that mid to late round tier, but I think that there is some developmental potential with him from a, just a natural arm talent perspective. Yeah, Caleb Ellaby is like one of the few guys I, I actually get excited about in this class. You know, separate yeah. from the, the the Malik Willis's in in this draft, but I, I feel like there's a lot of positives that come from Ellaby. And the thing that is a lot more digestible with him is that we're not sitting here and saying like, "Wow, this is a guy that might go in the top five and he's going to save your franchise." Like, we're we're not at that point, and no. I think we're a lot more realistic about him. Yeah, no, we we are. I mean. <laughs> You got to ask yourself, what's the worst case and the best case scenario, right? Like the worst case is that he's just a, he's a guy that just doesn't stick long-term, right? And I think that that's an, that's an outcome. We have to kind of digest that a little bit, but also I think that there is an upside to being a solid NFL quarterback in the sense that like, Hey, long-term backup, short-term starter, there is something to, to deal with. But I think that he's the pick in this class, Joe, because he's one of the few quarterbacks that isn't getting overhyped. I think you're going to get mm-hmm. him right around where his production and his talent level dictates somewhere late day, you know, early day three, mid day three, somewhere in that ballpark. And I think that you're going to be okay with that valuation for Caleb. Cause you're going to be, you're, you have an understanding that like, Hey man, he's going to come in. You're not expecting too much out of him. He's a developmental guy, but those types of guys sometimes can surprise you. So that's why Caleb, I think was the perfect fit for this one because he's not being overvalued in this class. 
super smart on his part to declare this year because, you know, maybe in a different year he goes a little bit later. There's not a lot of depth in this quarterback group. So you, him declaring definitely helps his case to get drafted maybe uh, a little bit higher. So most overhyped, as we've done every position group so far, uh, we've had one particular person at least for almost every single position group. One of the groups, we I forget which, was it guard? I don't think we had, we had multiple sleepers and yeah. no overhyped guys, I believe. Mm-hmm. And you managed to do the opposite here. You picked every single quarterback and you decided to say that the whole class is overhyped. Well, I mean, Folks, when I was saying that, that we were going to be negative, this is exactly what I was referring to. So go ahead. Let's hear the let's hear the bit. Look, the whole class is a lot more hyperbolic than it truly is because I do. There are some quarterbacks in this class I like. I promise when we get to the top five, you're going to be like, oh, OK, he, he, he does like that guy. He does like that guy a ton. But in a traditional year, I don't think Malik Willis is getting talked about going in the top ten. And I don't oh, think Desmond yeah. Ritter out of Cincinnati is getting talked about being in the first round. I don't think Matt Corral is being talked about potentially being in the first round. Like guys are just getting pushed up this year. So they are overhyped in that instance. I think there's still developmental potentials with guys like Ritter, like Corral, and definitely like Willis. But unfortunately, I think they're just getting pushed up a peg too high. So for me, it's it's a little hyperbolic, but there's a lot of guys in this class I think are just going to be overdrafted. Like it's just the, the fact of this class, in my opinion. Yeah, that's certainly fair, and I I think that see, see saying that they're overhyped, I, I don't disagree with, but I just think in general there's gonna they're gonna be overvalued because right. there is just a lack of top end talent. Well, and I I think that usually quarterbacks are, I mean, always in a vacuum, it, they're all, they're all over always overvalued. Like there's always guys that are gonna be second round graded players so they're going to go in first round because of the positional value of everything right they're they're going to get bumped up I think my biggest quarrel with this class is like I'm going to use a a guy for instance I just said right and I'm not trying to bang on Desmond Ritter too hard but I have like either a late late three or early four on Desmond Ritter and he's going to go in the first rounds like that's a two round bonus man that's a two round bump that is massive same regard same regard to Matt Corral they're like in the same bucket for me and they they both might go in the first round so we're not talking about guys that are you know second round valuations that are going to go somewhere in the mid to late first round we're talking about guys that I think are late day 2 early day 3 type of players that are going to go in the first round and that's why it's overvalued in my opinion okay here comes the the fun part we're going to go through Ryan's Top five rankings, starting off with number five. This one makes, I think, the most sense. Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati is your number five quarterback. Uh, somebody who, like you said, is been has been brought up as maybe end of the first round or somewhere on day two. And he's had such a, a long career and a, a, you know, a pretty good one at Cincinnati. Maybe not the best pro prospect, but you picked him at five. What are your thoughts on, on Desmond Ritter? I think Corey Kinnon, who does some stuff for RiseDraft.com, compared his arc to best-case scenario being Ryan Tannehill. And I agree with him. You know, Ryan Tannehill's a good quarterback in the NFL, so, like, there's nothing wrong with being Ryan Tannehill. But I do think that Desmond Ritter has – people think that he has this high floor. I don't necessarily agree with that because I see a lot of inconsistency in terms of ball placement and accuracy. Like, he is just not an accurate quarterback. What he does have, though, is – he has a long frame that can keep adding weight. His weight was up even a little bit during his pro day. I think he was up to like 211, 212, somewhere in that ballpark. After I think senior ball, he was like 206, 207. So like he was very skinny. Good. 
Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, so he's gaining weight. It's going in the right direction is the point. Um, and he is a guy that has a good arm. You know, I don't think it's a great arm on the NFL level, but I think it's above average arm strength. I think he has some highlight throws where you like you see throws, especially down the seam or down the down the down um, outside the numbers is some bucket throws where it looks impressive. Like there's some good things. He's played a ton of football. And the best thing about him, in my opinion, is that he's a really good athlete. Like you could see a baseline for him athletically at the next level. But I do think that there is a peak to chasm perspective with him or a ceiling to floor conversation that people I think are giving him a little too much of a bump on the floor part, man. Like I, I think that there's some shades to Marcus Mariota a little bit from an athletic perspective, which is like, you know, Marcus Mariota wasn't a disaster, but he also was a guy that fell out of favor in Tennessee just because he wasn't good enough. Right. So I, I think that Desmond has some developmental potential. Unfortunately, like I kind of said at the opening, I think he's going to get pushed in the first round. And I just, I don't see a first round player right now, man. I don't, he makes me incredibly nervous. I don't think that there's a base as much a baseline for a guy like him as people act like there is, even though he's played a lot of football. Anytime a quarterback is very inaccurate and the ball placement is not great. Floor is not high in my opinion. So I'm struggling with Desmond Ritter, but he makes the top five because again, there's a lot of guys that are developmental players, but Mm. Just not this is not the class that you want to draft one of these guys in the first round, in my opinion, but it will happen. I'm glad you pointed out that Ritter doesn't necessarily have the, the high of as high of a floor as I think a lot of people do think. And I feel like it's yeah. so cliche to just pick the the old older guy prospect with more starts under his belt and say that he's got the highest floor because of his experience. Like I think it's just so lazy. And I think he's like 23, if I remember correctly. And he looks like he is looks way older than I am, man. He's got a face of a 40 year old, which <laughs> he does look. He does look 35, which I, is weird. Like I'm 23. Yeah. I look like I'm like four years younger than him, which is weird. Yep. Uh, number four for you. You have the one man who was not a part of the participants in the senior bowl, the yep. combine because of the ankle injury he suffered in his bowl game. I'm referring to old miss. Uh, old Miss quarterback Matt Corral. Some people think that he could be in that in that conversation to be one of the highest drafted quarterbacks in the group. But you have him slotted at four, and from what I understand, you're not a big fan of Matt Corral compared to what uh, most people have to say. Hot take time, Joe. You ready for it? I think a lot of people have an assumption that Malik Willis has the lowest floor in this class, and he does have a lower floor. But I think Matt Corral might have the lowest floor in this class, man. He terrifies wow. me. Terrifies me, man. There's some good stuff at Ole Miss because I think that he is a really natural thrower and he's quick and, and he has a quick twitch to him. He's bouncy in the pocket, pretty good pocket awareness, and he's a solid athlete all the way around. And So there's a baseline where you're like, okay, I can get excited about that a little bit. But coming from that offense, man, they dumbed it down for him so much. I talked about Caleb Elby in the opening a little bit. It's kind of a similar thing with Matt Corral, man. They are running – heavy RPO, they're manipulating space, which like give Lane Kiffin credit, man. Great offensive mind, but very simplistic offense Mackerel's coming from. And down the stretch of the season, after he got banged up a little bit, they took so much more of the um, of the pressure off of him, and the offense looked a little better <laughs> down the stretch. So I'm just like, man, you dumbed it down so much that the quarterback became almost a secondary option for your offense where – I, I'm very unsettled with a guy like Matt Corral. Either this kid is going to be good or he is not going to play in the NFL very long. Like, I do not mm, think that there is a – That's I do scary. Not think, yeah, man, I don't I don't think that those things are close together at all, which makes you incredibly nervous. 
I think he's a little more naturally accurate though than Desmond Ritter. So like, that's why I have him slightly above him, but man, I, I mean, first thing I said after I watched Ole Miss film, I, I literally put on Twitter. I was like, Matt Corral terrifies me. Like he does. He terrifies me. I don't know where I would draft him. Exactly. I like a lot of what he is, but I just am having a hard time getting around to him because he just, I, I think the floor is just so low with a guy like Corral. Yeah, a, a lot of volatility in, in, in what Matt Corral can be. And then I think yep. your number three guy is the opposite of that volatility. And we're talking about Ritter having a high floor. I, I think you would say that that Sam Howell from North Carolina, who's your number three guy, fits that description of, of having a higher floor, but maybe not really yep. much else to do there. Yeah, I, I think Sam Howell's kind of bad rap, to be honest. I mean, I had a late two on him in the summer. I'm going to be right around the same ballpark with him. I think he's just rock solid, man, because, like, honestly, he lost a lot of players this past offseason. Everybody talked about that a ton. You lost Deami Brown. You lost Daz Newsome. You lost the two running backs, Javonta Williams and Michael Carter. That's a lot for a North Carolina team to lose in one offseason. And he pressed too much. Like, let's just call it what it is. He, tr- mm-hmm. he did, tried to do too much – and it was just unfortunate circumstance because I think that he is one of the more accurate quarterbacks in this class. I think he has a, a, a live arm. I think it's plus in that area. I think he's a solid, tough athlete. A lot of good things. Now, he's a little undersized. Doesn't really hurt him too much. But what he really needs to work on early on in his career is the lower body mechanics. And he needs to become a lot more patient in the pocket. Because I think that the offensive line was the biggest hindrance to him this year. It just was not a very good offensive line. So it's just hard for him to trust kind of the space around him. But I think that Matt, I think that Sam Howell could be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Is there a tremendously high ceiling? Maybe not, but I think that he can be a starter. I, I think that the Baker Mayfield comparison is apt. And Baker Mayfield at times has been a good quarterback in the NFL. And apparently he's just not, you know, he's not a savior of an offense, which we, we found out this year, obviously, with Cleveland. So I think that there is some limitation to Sam Howell, but I think that Sam Howell is not getting enough credit for what he is. I think that he has starting level traits at the next level. Yeah, that's it, it's interesting to bring all that up with, with Sam Howell. And I think that one key takeaway is the the limitations that he was dealing with this past year. It's it's kind of hard to live up to the performance that he had with all the guys that he had in his supporting cast the previous yeah. year. So a lot to build on for Sam Howell. Moving on to number two, this is where I think things get really sticky and then we're going to, our notable omission is, is going to be pretty crazy. I don't think any of you are expecting the next three names that are about to be read off who Ryan's top two are. And then the guy who didn't make the list, you're probably thinking it's one guy, but it's not that guy. So number two is Malik Willis. Yep. Who everyone is crowned top of the class. He's going to, mm-hmm. could be a top two pick regardless is going to be a top 15 pick. I think that's all a lock, but for you saying he's number two, mm-hmm. I don't think that's a knock on him. I think it's just a realistic expectation of he's just not there yet. And it's going to take some time for him to, to get caught up. The top two guys are the only two that I would consider in the first round. I'm okay with Malik Wilson in the first round because I really do like the upside that he has. He has a really live arm, probably strongest arm in this class. He's a really good athlete. Athlete. There's a dynamic of element to Malik Willis. Now there is a lower floor <laughs> because, man, it's just spouts of inaccuracy and just bad footwork. And I mean, there's just some plays, man, where like he misses layups and, and, but then he'll hit a home run and he'll kind of bring you back in, you know, a home run out of something that looks like it should be a double, like he'll leg it out, you know? So 
There is a lot to Malik Willis. I would be okay with him in the first round. I think he is going to get overdrafted because I think he ultimately does go top 10 to one of those top uh, quarterback needy teams we talked about. But if he hits, he could be the best quarterback in this class because the talent level is there for sure. So I'm, I'm banking on the upside with Malik Willis here. And he's a, one of the only two quarterbacks that I would even consider in the first round, I think, this year. So you're probably not expecting this one for anyone who's tuning in. Well, they should. If they follow me on Twitter, they should be very well well aware of this take. But So yeah. if we have any newbies that maybe are tuning in on YouTube, right. you're probably expecting Ryan to say Kenny Pickett. He's not going to say Kenny Pickett. Your number one quarterback is Carson Strong. It has been. Now there's you know yep. there's some speculation that that strong maybe isn't doing as well in these interviews that's been brought up mm-hmm. by a number of draft media entities that have said that there is some concern there. Sure. But regardless, you have him as number one. Why I yeah. why are you so far off? I feel like from what everyone else is saying, and why did you pick him at number one? Look, I don't think that Carson Strong is going to be a franchise savior or a franchise, uh, the face of a franchise, but I think that he can be a plus starter in the NFL because I think that he is one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the class, maybe the most accurate in, in the class. I think his arm is plus plus, right on par with Malik Willis. Malik Willis' arm is a little bit stronger, though. And I think he's had the best tape over the last two years, man. Like, there's, he's had a lot of, and there's a lot of rumors that always fly in draft season. So, like, I would tell people, be tentative with believing it. I, I always say it's about a 50-50 rule, right? Like believe half of what you say and then throw the other half out. There was a report that came out that said that Carson Strong doesn't know protections, but like he's the only quarterback in this class that had the freedom to set his own protections and change plays at the line of scrimmage. So there are some things I'm just not buying into enough. The, the biggest thing in Joe, it's been obviously talked about a lot, is Carson mm-hmm. Strong's knee. He's got a degenerative uh, issue with his knee. Apparently it checked out fine, so he might be in a good shape there. But there's going to be a long-term versus short-term question mark with Carson Strong. I think the short-term is going to be very good. The long-term, I don't know how long exactly he's going to last in the NFL. But if you ask me, who are you betting on being a plus starter in the NFL, I'm taking Carson Strong. It's going to have to be the right fit because he's not the most mobile passer of all time. But the pocket movement is good. Arm strength is plus, and he's accurate, and he's smart. So I'm taking I'm taking Carson Strong, man. Not plugging in the knee injury because – I mean, obviously, I'll be very forthcoming about it. I He probably won't go in the first round just because of the knee. But if you're asking me who's the best quarterback that I've watched this cycle, the answer is Carson Strong. There it is. Ryan has him above everybody else, which is mm-hmm. very much against what everyone is saying right now. But here, here's where we need to address. You don't have Kenny Pickett in your top five. And it feels like, at the very least, most people believe that Kenny Pickett is going to be a first round pick because he's he, the steadiest he's of the group. He's yeah, he probably will be because he's the steadiest of the group. Yeah. Now I knowing you, mm-hmm. I feel like you think that that steadiness is a drawback rather than a positive because he just doesn't do anything for you. Like he's just right. he gets the job done, but like is that really a first round quarterback? So he's going to be a first-round quarterback because, I mean, the predictive nature is that he is going to be in that range. When you're an independent scout like I am for RiseandDraft.com, I had the opportunity to gamble more on upside with guys, right? So that's why Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, those are the guys that made my list over a Kenny Pickett. I think the upside is more substantial. 
Now, I think there's a good baseline for Kenny Pickett being a really good backup, maybe a spot starter. I think of him as Matt Moore that used to play with the Miami Dolphins, and he was a really, really good backup. One of the better backup quarterbacks in the NFL, and he can get you out of a game, and he could be a bridge, and that was all well and good. But I just don't see anything where I say that guy's going to be a long-term starter or even – like I don't even think that this guy's going to be a – uh, maybe I should rephrase this. There's a possibility he could be, but I don't think ideally st- speaking, I don't think that he's a guy that should be a starter more than a couple spot starts in a season or maybe half a season, depending on injury. Like he can do that stuff for you, but go look at Matt Moore's kind of career projection, right? Like that's what I see in him. I think there's a tremendous baseline. He's going to be in the NFL for a while. I just personally don't see long-term starter. I don't see the traits to be a long-term starter. I am very hesitant on Kenny Pickett for that aspect, but I would draft him day three if I needed a backup quarterback. Like, there's no doubt about it. But first round talk, I don't know, man. I'm just not there. Just I, I got to late third rounds, like third round conversation. I'm like, okay, I can get there with Kenny Pickett. I can get to that. I can't get the first round. Just can't do it. Would you? Why would you say though that you think everyone is projecting him as a first round quarterback and why he's going to get drafted in the first round? Because there are some similarities with what he did in his final year to a Joe Burrow and what he did in his final year. I think there's just major differences with talent level there. Like, I think that that's just a, there's a discrepancy. So people have the recency bias of seeing a guy like a Joe Burrow. And there's always a guy that rises through the process. And that is Kenny Pickett. So I think people have kind of convinced themselves of that. And that, like, there is a floor. There's a really solid floor. I I mean, I, I, I would be shocked if Kenny Pickett was in the NFL for seven to 10 years. I would be shocked. What is it but as a starter? Exactly. That's my whole point. Is that is that people are trying to? I think make, uh, they're trying to find the connection with what we've seen in the past with some guys that make that big rise. But I just I don't I just don't see it there, man. Like I just think there are just too many limitations with Kenny Pickett. Well, there you have it, folks. The 2022 quarterback class. Hit subscribe on YouTube or whatever your listening platform is, so you stay up to date on our defensive rankings that are coming out next. If you missed the Isaiah Likely interview that we had recently, check that out. And then we've got some prospect interviews with some of the bigger name guys that are going to be coming up over the next month. So uh, stay tuned for those coming out soon. Thanks for listening, folks. Be sure to hit subscribe, as I said. Follow us on Twitter at Joe DeLeon at Rise of Draft and NFL Prospects Pod. And we will talk to you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.